From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark and Ryan here with you. As uh, in a few days, but uh, I don't know, maybe your ears are still ringing from the Georgia win against Tennessee. Sanford Stadium was rocking, and Georgia football now number one in everything. And they turn the page to Mississippi State. Basketball season is here, and you know what? We're going to have Kerry Oquendo joining us, the uh, star Georgia guard, second team All SEC pick, as Georgia gets ready to play Wake Forest Friday night. Ryan, what was your what what left you a bigger impression? The fans and the atmosphere on Saturday or Georgia just controlling, dominating Tennessee? Well, I'll tell you what, I feel like they all kind of go hand in hand there. I think the crowd played a huge part. We saw that in the what, seven, I think, false starts by Tennessee's offense. And, you know, they showed up, showed out. I I think, you know, I think Eric Ainge, the former Tennessee quarterback, had a little bit of uh of inspiration to the Georgia crowd. But, you know, I can't remember if me and you talked about it, but I definitely discussed it with others about the last time that Georgia Stadium sounded like that. I mean, pre, pre-game of Notre Dame was was maybe equal. And when Georgia ran out in those black jerseys in, what, 07, uh, pretty comparable for, for noise. But for an entire game, I mean, I think the fans really heeded Kirby Smart's call to leave that place hoarse and – I think most of them did. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I know definitely I think it was the second half where I was like, God, you know, this is really I can really feel it like in my head, you know, like yeah. not in a bad way necessarily. Although I guess if you're like, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're in an environment like that for like a prolonged period for like, you know, 72 hours or probably do some damage. I don't know. But, um, you know, it was pouring rain and Georgia was, you know, controlling the game. But. The, the fans had like a second and third wind in them and they, they, they kept making it louder. And I guess officially uh, it was like uh, 131 on the decibel meter, um, which topped the uh, the Arkansas game from last year, which is in the one twenties. Um, but yeah, definitely a special game for Georgia, uh, special game for the fans. Yeah. I wonder, you know, uh, yeah. And I think you, you had a little, uh, an article in the online Athens uh, about the noise. I wonder how accurate that is sometimes. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's just pressing a button to make the decibel uh, meter go higher, you know, on the on the big board. But I didn't mention this to you, but I reached out to Georgia's geology department to see if they have. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought about doing that. Do they have any information? I did. They do not. They do not. And the head of the geology department uh, said, we do not have one. But if the Georgia Athletic Department would like to sponsor one, we'd like to talk. <laughs> And I said, well, that's not my, you know, it's not my duty to 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 do that. But I thought that'd be interesting because I think I've heard LSU in the past, you know, it makes sense they'd have one in in New Orleans, especially. But uh they they registered on the on the Richter scale a, a, a small earthquake, I think, in the past. So I was looking in to see if Georgia might have done that. And I, I believe geology is kind of close to the stadium there along Sanford Drive and and, and that area. So 
uh, it would have been interesting to see if they did register small, you know, 0.7 or something on the earthquake uh, on the Richter scale. Now, so <clears throat> are they saying that um, they're they're kind of hurting for funding in that department and, uh, you know, they need like Coca-Cola or one of Georgia's sponsors to chip in with some money for that? Is that what's happening? Hey, that maybe, uh, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting if they could uh, find a way to, to put one there near the stadium for, for times like these. These are when we need them most. I think the biggest game on the home schedule for 2022, uh, 2023, because uh, it's not it's not much of a September schedule, is probably what Ole Miss in November. I think it is maybe. It was supposed to be Oklahoma, right? And that one got. Well, no, no, that was going to be on the road anyway. So, okay, gotcha. I mean, I, I don't remember what else. So, I guess what South Carolina will be here next year. Yeah. Uh, what were the other road games? Missouri. I mean, that's not going to do it. Um, so, I, I don't know. Um, but well, anyway, uh, Georgia now is in. Uh, Terrific shape for the playoff. Uh, so Georgia fans will probably need to, you know, save up their uh, Christmas money or holiday money, whatever, and, uh, you know, make the trips to the SEC championship game, maybe make only to Atlanta would be easier to budget if that's where the, the semifinal is. And then the uh, championship game, if they uh, they get there, which looks like they have a great shot to, is uh, out in L.A. at that new stadium there. Ryan, who, who do you want in a semifinal matchup for Georgia? Ooh, well, so right now it's looking like TCU, right? Uh, and first off, uh, I think we've seen Bulldogs travel to L.A. before, so uh, I think they'll be able to all make it out there should Georgia reach that. I mean, T- TCU, what's your other options? Ohio State or, or Michigan? I mean, I mean, I think I'd take the TCU matchup at this point. Now, does Tennessee sneak back in there if TCU loses this week to Texas? I wouldn't want to face yeah. Tennessee again. Yeah, I mean, you know, TCU could lose. You could have Southern Cal or, um, you know, UCLA. You know, how about this? How about here's what I would wouldn't mind seeing. Oregon rematch, right? You've heard Bo Nix talk about how it'd be different a second time around, and, and I think it would be. I think Oregon has shown they're much better than that team that faced Georgia that first game. Now, do I think they're as good as Georgia? No, I don't. I think that was proven for the most part in that first game, but I think it would be a little bit different game. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, whether it's an Oregon, Tennessee rematch, even Michigan, which, uh, you know, would be a rematch from the, the orange bowl. I mean, I think it'll be different on a neutral field with, with, you know, Oregon. Well, I guess Oregon was on a neutral field sort of, and uh, it would be in the same place if they met in the yeah. bowl, and that'd be interesting. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't think they necessarily try to avoid having a rematch in this, in the semifinals, you know, they want to have the fourth best team play the first. I mean, but you know, it's not ideal. I mean uh, it would be, it would be better if it was like an Ohio state, if they lost or, you know um, I don't know who, I mean, an LSU, a re, I guess that would be a rematch too. If, if it, uh, if they won the sec, I, I don't know. Um, you know, can anyone beat Georgia? I mean, obviously it's always possible there, you know, if they have a Missouri type game, uh, you know, obviously the Kent state game wasn't, you know, something to write home about. I talked to Aaron Murray this week uh, who has an analyst hat now, does a radio show and does a, uh, some TV commentating for uh, ESPN SEC network. He said Ohio state is the team that he thinks would give Georgia the best shot, but he's not even, you know, they haven't been playing as well lately with their offensive line. uh, Hadn't been playing well, but you know, they have, uh, you know, quarterback and wide receivers that look, you know, probably better than Tennessee even. Yeah. I mean, that's been their big thing, right? Stroud's been the Heisman hopeful all season and somebody they've really 
ridden behind, except for that game the other day at Northwestern, which was, you know, what reports that 40 mile per hour winds and, and, and more maybe coming off the off the lake there, which is no excuse. I mean, if you're a if you're a team like Ohio State going in to play Northwestern, who what were they one and seven coming in, one and eight? I mean, you you shouldn't win a game twenty one to seven. But George could say the same thing about going into Missouri and nearly losing that one. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that'd be a heck of a matchup those two. And and I agree with Aaron that uh, that might be George's biggest competition at the moment. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Georgia Tennessee game. But before we do, uh, I got a story today about Georgia going to Mississippi State. Look, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't want to give away my pick. Although we'll talk about the point spread later. Um, but you know. The interesting thing to me is that Georgia hadn't played there for 2010 was the last time, which is, you know, something that will be corrected. Uh, these, you know, decade plus uh, having to go between players being able to visit. I mean, obviously, you know, you've had two groups of players come through with that without ever playing a game at Mississippi State. But it'll be a unique atmosphere with all those cowbells. Ryan, are you uh, do you want more cowbells? Do you like uh, that kind of you know, different aspect to it, or is it too much of a distraction, like even just to watch the game? Yeah. Now I've never, I've never been to Starkville. I've never experienced the cowbells in person. Now, if you pick up or, or read Mark's story today, I think Aaron Murray's exact quote were those damn cowbells. So I know it, it's pretty, it's pretty distracting. Now the fact that the SEC let them keep those, I guess, when they outlawed any type of noisemakers in games is a little, is a little uh, confusing to me. Uh, I, I know it goes back to the what 1930s. Is that what you had in the, in the article? But um, well, when, when you say the SEC allowed, I mean that's that's the the other 13 schools voting on it. And I guess when when it first was, I guess that was before Missouri and Texas A and M. I think it was 2010 when they um, you know first voted on that they could be able to have them. So um, you know. See if uh, I think Stetson Bennett in particular, uh, you know, can handle it. I mean, he's been around the block for a long time now in terms of, you know, he's 25 years old. This is sixth college season. Um, I think he'll be okay. And uh, look, if Stetson has played in a national championship, yeah, I mean, he can handle anything. I don't think some cowbells or any stadium is going to throw him off. I mean, truthfully, that that noise that Missouri put on their PA system on third downs was kind of annoying. It was kind of like a Middle Eastern music. I don't know what it was. Really? Yeah, you can hear it on TV when you're when you're at home watching a Missouri game. Yeah. Pay, pay attention next time. It's. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not like I don't like that music. I actually do like it. But by the like fifteenth time you hear it that night, you're like, come on. Is so. it is it as annoying as the uh, rooster crow or, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I think it is a little bit more annoying than that. I don't know. All right, let's let's talk about this uh, Tennessee Georgia game. Hendon Hooker, I mean, he was the guy, as they say. What do they say these days? What do the kids say? Him he's, or something like that, right? He, he's him, right? Yeah. yeah uh, he was he was not him against Georgia. Zero touchdown passes, sacked six times. Um. I mean, I, I think his NFL stock probably took a, a, a shot with that game. I mean, well, I you know. remember early in the year we were playing stock up, stock down on on Stetson Bennett. I think yeah. it yeah. went way down on Hendon Hooker the other day. Yeah, no pass longer than twenty seven yards. The, the Vols had no run longer than eleven yards, and then Georgia kind of flipped the script themselves. I mean, they were an explosive offense, uh, but you know, or, or an efficient offense, but they weren't doing much on the deep balls. I mean, Brock Bowers uh, did have some, some uh, you know, long offensive plays for touchdowns, but, 
you know, Labakaki, 37-yard touchdown. Uh, Arian Smith, 52-yard deep ball. Uh, Kenny McIntosh, 49 yards on a wheel route. I mean, if you're going to add that to George's arsenal on a, you know, weekly basis, I mean, look out. Well, I think what Arian Smith did the other day is what everybody's been waiting on, and, and we've seen it in glimpses. Just the guy's got to get healthy. And so if if you can get him, get A.D. Mitchell back, that's two guys that can stretch the field a little more for you. And, whoa, boy, this could be a very, very explosive and, and terrifying offense, really. And, uh, yeah, you're not even talking about Darnell or, or Brock Bowers going across the middle there. I mean, so many weapons to choose from. Yeah, I don't think Darnell had a catch this game. I think he he had a chance for one. He had a wellable block on the um, McConkie uh, double. No, no, it was the it was Stetson's run. He yeah, uh, I mean, kind of chipped the corner there and knocked him just on his backside or the yeah, the edge, I guess. That's kind of a given. I mean, you're expecting that the Darnell is going to lay out somebody. But it was a defensive play. end. I mean, yeah, uh, six sacks for Georgia. What impressed me the most is seeing Javon Bullard come off the edge and on these blitzes and. Um, you know, I feel like George hadn't dialed up that many of those, um, in particular to see him do that. I mean, that, that guy had a great game. Uh, you know, Jalen Carter, he had, uh, one sack, but two forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and almost, uh, should have been a safety maybe on one of those. I don't know. Yeah. Look, so that guy got lathered up and he played his most snaps Yeah, probably ever at George. I didn't go back and check what he did previous years, but he was a backup then. Um, look, and I don't know if it was a matter of Tennessee's, they expected Tennessee to, you know, to be cranking out that fast pace offense and snapping the ball within 10 seconds on the play clock. So you need him out there on first and second down, uh, just cause you won't be able to kind of roll him in on third down. But I mean, he looked fine health wise and, uh, you know, just, just a handful. Yeah. Just so, a big, big get for Georgia to get him back. And I mean, I've been saying for, you know, a couple of years that, He's as good, if not better, than Jordan Davis, and when fully healthy, I think we, and I, and I guess we don't know if he's fully healthy, but just to have him in the lineup the other day was a huge bonus for the Bulldogs. Keely Ringo wanted Jalen Hyatt. Kirby told us after the game, like he he texted him on Sunday, and said, you know, I I want was he number eleven maybe I can't remember what mm-hmm. his number is, but but he he told him he wanted him, and, and Kirby was like, well, that's not really our game plan. We we're, we're kind of working on something else there, so. Uh, Keeley, you know, still had an interception on a great, uh, play individual play just down the sideline. And, um, you know, like all the DBs, I mean, none of them let guys get behind them. They, they weren't these busts that you saw all the other teams making against Tennessee. Right. Um, you know, Kamari Lasseter was very sound. He had five tackles. Malachi Starks. I thought he played one of his best games. Obviously he didn't have an interception or, you know, didn't tackle a guy at the one yard line, but 10 tackles, six solo. I, I thought he was all over the place. Yeah. I watched a few plays and, and, you know, I'm not a defensive expert and can break down film like some others, but it, it appeared that, you know, he was in kind of an umbrella type of coverage, but also had a little bit of a spy on the quarterback that whenever he, you know, hooker broke loose a little bit, he was charging at a hundred miles per hour to come up and make a tackle. And the same with, uh, running backs out of the backfield and stuff. So, I mean, that guy just is super bright kid, man. We got to see him at Jefferson, obviously. And, you know, he was quarterback there in safety, and they just raved about him for four years. And and you see why now at this level what he can do is it's impressive. Brett Thorson with a 75-yard punt that rolled out of bounds at the one-yard line. Now, um, I thought that uh, the gunner was, was the one that actually downed it because I couldn't see it. Yeah, it wasn't needed. Unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, just just incredible. 
punt by him. And, uh, you know, somebody I thought on Twitter had posted or said something about that. That was like a Georgia record. I don't think it was even close to a Georgia record. I mean, it was close, obviously, because but I think they're like, you know, it's like a top 10 Georgia punt. Um, but I went and checked to see like, oh, maybe that's the longest this year in college football. I mean, no, there's like several more than that. Some dude uh, punted like out of his – it wasn't quite in his end zone. It was, But he had like a 92-yard punt that rolled into the other team's end zone. Um, so only net 72. I'm not yeah, so, so <laughs> right. So like, okay, you, you, you killed the ball. And it was on an artificial turf field, so I feel like it was kind of a bounce that, yeah. um, you know, went there a lot easier. But like – if it's going to the end zone, it's kind of negates. I mean, it's still great if you're kicking it, you know, getting well, a 70. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if he'd have kicked it 76, it would nobody be talking about it. I mean, because uh, it was just the perf- perfection and where it went out that was so remarkable and, and so big for Georgia. Then that lead to the what should have been a safety, and then uh, on the it led to the Lad McConkey double-move touchdown shortly after. You know, just watching the game from the press box, when you, when you watch Stetson operate – I mean, there were several times where I was like, wow, that, that guy has so much time here. The pocket is so protected. And that's even with them, uh, you know, Xavier Trust being out and Amarius Mims didn't didn't play uh, at least, uh, you know, I think he maybe, I don't know if he got in on special teams or not. I mean, maybe it was Trust that got in on special teams. But that offensive line has, uh, you know, they're deep. And, um, you know, ever since that Missouri game where Kirby kind of called them out a little bit for, you know, getting their ass kicked kind of is what he said or, or whooped. Um, you know, another great, great game for them. I mean, at, the run numbers don't look that good because in the second half, I think they threw the ball like four times and it was raining and, and Tennessee knew that they were going to run it probably. And Georgia was just trying to like mill clock and get, and get out of there with a big win. Yeah. I, you know, I think we saw some people talk about Georgia could have scored more and this and that, but I think once they got into the second half and what did they put together there? A 15 play eight minute drive or something. I mean, that was just, right up Kirby's alley, and that's all he needed to do to, to milk the win. So, uh, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see what it could have gotten to in a, in a drier condition if Georgia would have just kept throwing it downfield, like you said. And, and looping back to the line, I mean, Devin Willett just coming off the bench and not missing a beat. I mean, that's, like you said, shows how deep this offensive line is. All right, Ryan, you you were the uh, the guy that was all over this uh, Stetson Bennett cell phone story, the calls and the texts that got leaked, his phone number. Uh, you know, go ahead and, and tell me what impact you think that had on Stetson's, uh, like did, did it pour fire on that guy or gasoline on him, you know, to, to get him ignited? And, um, you know, do you think that um, like Todd Munkin, really Todd Munkin put it out there to, you know, give him a little bit of push to like say uh, – you know, get pissed off. I mean, I don't, I don't think he needed that motivation. I, I think he wanted to prove uh, once he scored, you know, uh, that, that he got him and it didn't bother him. Uh, I don't, I, you know, he, he, what was his exact words after that? He didn't think it was motivation, but yeah, there's probably something there. I mean, I think when it came down to it, he just wanted to to show that more than anything, that it didn't bother him more than needing extra motivation to perform well. Cause I mean, he was pretty much same steps than we've seen for the past couple of years, but yeah, it was kind of a kind of a funny development of that story, and and you know I I was really curious afterward what he had to say about it, so I was kind of the one there, not hounding, but you know, hey, you know, he didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, but how many phone calls did you get? And he opened up a little bit, which was which was good. I think he said six to seven hundred phone calls, texts, and whatnot. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the exact story of how it was leaked, uh, but pretty sure some Instagram accounts connected with uh, UT fans might have posted it in their stories. And people took advantage of it uh, in Knoxville and surrounding areas to to give him a call. But, you know, I, I, I just – I just think that he came out, wanted to to prove to those people that, look, y'all can't get in my head no matter what. And I think it goes back to, you know, this is a guy that's played in national championships, Orange Bowl, where he was MVP of both. You're not going to get in this guy's head. And and if nothing else, it just uh, – he, he just wanted to silence those people and, and the phone calls, so to speak. And, uh, of course, he's making a little money off of it, right? Yeah, good for him. Uh all right, well, so we just talked uh, in this entire segment about how great Georgia is, and we're talking about like who they should play in the national championship game. All right, let's let's talk about one thing that uh, you know hadn't been going great for Georgia, and that's ball security on offense. They've had some fumbles. First, didn't Tennessee's first points come after a, a Georgia yeah, field goal after uh, after Dejan fumbled there? Yeah. yeah, so I think it's like eight now on the season. I think they had two the other day. Uh, you know, is that a concern or is it just like flukish stuff? I mean, uh, are they carrying the ball a little bit too uh, nonchalantly? What do you think? What's going on? There? I mean, you know, these types of things happen, and, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put put too much thought into it. I mean, uh, Kenny, you know, I think in the Florida game, felt, you know, he made up for for the the fumble he had in the first or second half. I think Dejon did the same thing, and you know, they protected the ball the the rest of the game. I, I think it's just kind of fluky things. Yeah, it looked like with Dejon. He just was going to try to cut outside, and somebody got an arm in there and kind of punched the ball loose. But I am sure it's things they're working on, though, uh, in practice, punching at the ball as they run through drills and whatnot. But uh, I don't think it's going to be anything of a concern unless we see a couple or, or three in a game. All right, let's let's uh, let's bring on our guest, and that is Kerry uh, Oquendo from the Georgia basketball team. All right, we're happy to be joined now by Georgia guard Cario Oquendo to talk Bulldog basketball. He's a preseason second-team All-SEC selection, and the Bulldog season is underway. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you. All right, so uh, a couple of days uh, away from the first game of the season uh, against Western Carolina, 68-55 Bulldogs win. Kind of your thoughts just on, uh, you know, getting going on, on the season and, and working with, with Mike White now for, uh, you know, back to the spring, um, kind of, you know, the touch he's put on this program as you guys try to move forward and, and uh, you know, kind of improve a little bit. Um, definitely. I feel like the season, I feel like it took a while because thinking back to the summertime and everything that we had to do and get the team going and uh, get everyone up to speed. Uh, it's definitely, I'm definitely happy about it, and also um, just playing for Mike White. You just, you know that he's trying to instill winning in us because he knows that a lot of guys that we have on our team, including myself, that we haven't been a part of like winning at the highest level. So we're just trying to all get to that goal. You mentioned it took a while, Cario. Uh, you know how how big of a challenge is that for everyone to get on the same page with a new coach? Obviously, new players coming in. Uh, from other places, what's that transition like in the first couple of months? Say, uh, it's definitely hard because when you go from when you go from a coach to another coach, it's hard. It's definitely hard because you got a lot of people like in your ear telling you what they think you should do. Like they think you should go transfer to a different school, or they think that when you get a different coach, that means like you should go out looking for something else. But I 
kind of already knew what I was looking for and then what the team was looking for. Like, most of it was just, like I said, back to winning. Like, that was the biggest thing that uh, I feel like everyone on our team was looking for this year. And um, just I feel like it just took a while because we were so ready to uh, start the season and uh, put uh, George on the map. With nine new newcomers, if you include the, the two walk-ons and then, you know, the, the guys, I guess, five that returned, what do you think this team, uh, you know, is going to be kind of, uh, you know, the bread and butter in terms of what you guys do well and, and what areas do you think you need to work on as a group, you know, in the months ahead? Uh, I would say our bread and butter would have to be on a defensive end because uh, that was a big emphasis. Like I said, I don't want to keep bringing up last year, but that was a big emphasis of uh, like uh, one of the last teams in the country and getting stops and uh, locking people up. So that's definitely was, I think when we added a lot more athleticism this year, it gave us a better chance to uh, just, I don't know, compete every single night against anybody in the country. How hard is Mike White driving that home? I mean, is it nonstop, you know, what you need to be doing on the defensive end first? Um, yeah. And he's one of those people, um, I said in my interview the other night, he's one of those people, he's not going to let you forget, uh, everything that you need to be doing as a player. And I think that, uh, that helps everyone on our team, um, just from a standpoint of like, if he he needs me to go do this, he's going to make sure that I hear about it until I start doing it more consistently. So he's just, I think every single coach knows that we got to be elite defensive team if we want to uh, get to where we want to go. Kerry, one of the first things we noticed about you last season when you started playing for the Bulldogs was, you know, your ability to to kind of make some highlight reel type dunks. And uh, I'm curious, uh, I think I saw Mike White with a, a picture, maybe he, maybe he posted to Twitter with him and, and Dominique Wilkins. And I wondered if you ever got a chance to meet uh, Dominique and if, uh, you know, you know anything about his Duncan. Uh, yeah, I got a chance to meet Dominique, uh, for the first time. Uh, he came in, him and a lot of other, uh, the Bulldog greats came in, like, watched, they came and sat in on our practice. And honestly, at first, we didn't even know that, uh, he was in the gym. He didn't come in, he didn't really say much at first. And then I looked, I think, I, I think we kind of looked over like midway through practice and we're like, is that Dominique Wilkins? And then, so, uh, after that, after practice, he came in, he, um, he sat with, he came in and talked to us after practice and basically was telling us about his time here and how he wants to be more uh, involved in the program today and uh, and about his dunks. Uh, I watched a lot of uh, – my dad made me watch a lot of the old basketball uh, like around that time when he played like in the 80s and like stuff in the early 90s. He, my dad uh, kind of showed me a lot about that growing up. So, Cario, so Dominique still resonates with your generation? I mean, uh, he, the highlight, you know, human highlight reel, is that, you know, something y'all still talk about? Yeah, because I, I think more around this area, it's hard to not talk about it because they know, like, he's right. definitely one of the Georgia Bulldog greats. But a lot of people still know about Dominique and I think really know about his dunks because I've heard that a lot. Like, whenever I've got a dunk, people have always said that, so – I think I saw Amarius Mims from the football team over at the basketball game on mm. uh, on on Monday, uh, maybe with another player. Yeah. I wonder how much of a fan uh, of the football team you are, and and have you been to like? Did you get to, a chance to go to the Tennessee game, or have you been to many? Well, well I'm a big fan of football just growing up because all my dads and um, all my dads and uncles they were all a thousand yard rushers at uh, our high school that we went to. So I'm I've always been. I actually started off playing football, so I've always been a big football fan. I've I haven't since I've been at UJ. I haven't missed the UJ home game. I've been at every single one, 
And uh, yeah, uh, I seen. I think Darnell was at the game. Keely Ringo was at the game. Like it was a lot of my boys. Like I have classes with a lot of them, so uh, I try to make every game. And it was good to see them at the game. When you have a highlight reel dunk, or let's say that track down block the other night, uh, do you do you hear from those guys or, or other you know people around uh, the basketball world about uh, plays like that? Well, most of the time, uh, mostly like on the internet, like on Instagram and stuff like that, I'll go in there and I'll see some people posting stuff about me. They'll uh, tell me like good game, stuff like that, like keep working. So I think I think it goes hand in hand because a lot of our guys on our team, we know a lot of the guys on the football team. So it's good to see uh, we're both going to each other's events. Uh, so I know you went to to junior college uh, with with Terry Roberts, and and I'm curious, uh, kind of how tight you guys were, and you know, to to be teammates with him now. You know, did you guys talk much before uh, he decided to come here? Oh, uh, we talked. Well, on his visit, I honestly I didn't even know that they were recruiting him as hard as they were before, um, because honestly I talked to him about it, and it was like I think it was like a couple weeks before he came on his visit. He took a visit to Florida. And, like, I didn't want to, like, bug him about coming here, but I knew that if he came here, like, the culture would be good. And it's on honestly, I never really think about how much uh, that when he was, when we were both at uh, Florida Southwestern together, that, like, now we're still here. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about, like, that we were teammates at uh, Florida Southwestern and then we ended up connecting back at Georgia. So, what was Mike White's ultimate uh, review, I guess, uh, of the first game? I mean, was he, did he seem thrilled uh, with how y'all played? A lot of stuff to work on. What was kind of the mood, you know, obviously for his first time coaching y'all in, in a real game-like atmosphere? Well, he's a perfectionist. Work on and Just from my standpoint, I think we still have a lot of stuff to work on. Like I said, we got to get to the point where we know how to play a full 40-minute game. Uh, that's that, I feel like that's a problem with a lot of teams in the country just because you come in and uh, your culture isn't really established yet. Like, as a team, like, everyone doesn't really know, like – like every like like I said, people on our team have played in different spots, and they've uh, now that they came here. It's like a holy, it's like a totally different thing for them. So I feel like most of the thing, most of the thing he said was if we could just keep that defense intensity up, like the whole game, like we play like a full game, we'll be good. Obviously, it was a big boost for for Georgia to get you back when you put your name in the portal. What was that like in terms of how seriously did you look at other schools once you were in there? I'm sure, you know, when, when people saw your name, uh, a lot of coaches, you know, got in touch with you or, or you know, wanted to check out whether you joined them. Um, well, when I went into the portal, it was a big, it was a big thing because at first I didn't want to go. And a lot of my, uh, a lot of my like family and like coaches that I've had before in the past, like AAU coaches and stuff and high school coaches, they, they told me that it would probably be a good like thing to look into going into a portal just to see what you have. And like, you know, it was some seriousness and it was some seriousness in there. I was eventually like, I got contacted by a lot of coaches, some coaches, most coaches in SC that we have played against. So it was, it was good. But at the same time, like I realized that uh, this is the place that I wanted to be. Okay. Got Wake Forest next on the, uh, on the schedule. Um, is this a, is this a game that y'all can test yourselves really? I mean, you know, you're playing an ACC school. What do y'all hope to take from a, a road trip like that? Well, I know that, uh, from our team last year, we were, we weren't as, we weren't as successful. We're not really as successful on the road. Um, mostly just because the road atmosphere is always hard to, it's hard to win and win on the road like as a team going in 
So I think we'll learn a lot from like how our team will gel together. Like if we can get the win on the road, we're looking to get the win. But that's just going to be that's just that stepping stone. It's it's hard to win in anybody else's building, especially it's probably going to be their first like real test as well. Like it's going to be our first real test against like a big school. So we'll uh, hopefully we can end up getting a win. And I think we'll learn a lot of our team on Friday. Yeah, I don't even know if you guys are uh, are busing there or, or, or jumping on a plane, but I'm curious if you if you have a, a road trip on a bus, uh, you know, for several hours. What, what do you like to do? Do you just do you crash? Do you try to catch some Z's or do you, you know, pull up Netflix? What What do you do? Well, I'm almost one of those guys. I'll go in there, like I'll go to sleep for a little bit, and I'll call, you know, I'll call some of my friends from home, and then I'll uh, talk to some of my guys on the bus. But uh, hopefully, we're not busing there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're not uh, doing calisthenics up and down the aisle like uh, Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah, I heard. I heard about that. Uh, I was like, nah, I probably won't be doing nothing like that. <laughs> well, think about your, uh, your your best Georgia moment so far. What sticks out? Is it a dunk? I mean, uh, again, I you know, I mentioned that track down block the other day, kind of you know LeBron James esque. But what what stands out in your mind as far as the Cario uh, Quindo highlights so far? Uh, Personal highlight, I would say, definitely had to be versus Tennessee when I got a dunk. Like we didn't end up getting a win, but it was it was like a it was like a point in time where it was like I feel like it was something that our team needed, like something to like gel together. And then uh, as a team goal, I think um, had to be when we beat Memphis because it was it was definitely one of those games that um, I feel like a lot of people counted us out at the time because they didn't they had I think Memphis had like they had like a, some NBA prospect guys on their team. And um, just us coming out and getting that win. And it felt like it was one of those wins that where, like, the whole team was playing good. So I was uh, that's probably my favorite Georgia team moment. All right, Kerry, it's the Bulldogs at Wake Forest on Friday night. And then back home Monday against Miami of Ohio, 7 p.m. If folks want to go out there and, and, and check you out. And, and Georgia, uh, appreciate you very much joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. from uh, Georgia Hoops team uh, for joining us and uh, it's great to have him with us. Ryan, uh, earlier today, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington were two of nine semifinalists for the Mackey Award. That's pretty good uh, Pretty good work there by, uh, you know, the, the Bulldogs to get two guys on that list. And uh, I think Brock Bowers will be on the next cutdown list as well. Yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, I mean, he's almost won that thing outright, I believe. So, you know, we've talked about going into the season just where Georgia stood on tight ends. We we thought there'd be another one, you know. We we uh, we knew that Darnell was going to be really good. We knew what we saw in B- Brock Bowers last year. And, uh, of course, Eric Gilbert we thought might be another one. Hadn't fully developed yet uh, this season. So, uh, but, I mean, that's just a position. And add in Oscar Delp, you know, a highly rated true freshman and, uh, you see why Hartley got an extension uh, this past year. All right, shout out to the Georgia women's soccer team. They are in the NCAA tournament under first year, uh, under a first year coach, and they have Sanford on Friday night. If uh, I think it's going to rain cats and dogs, so I don't know if they're going to have to move that game time or move it to a different day. It's going to probably be the same bad weather for high school football, right? I've been wondering if they would cancel or move games around. Uh, like they did a few weeks ago. Now we're in the playoffs here in high school football. So uh, I don't know what they can do there, but 
Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine as long as there's no lightning, though, they will play soccer and American football in the ring. Now, Ron, are you on the sidelines for these high school games? Are you kind of, uh, you know, undercover and making sure that you're staying dry and your laptop doesn't get, um, you know, too much water on it? Yeah, it depends on if there's uh, food in the press box. Uh, you know, I'll make my way up there to eat a little bit. Uh, oh, who's got the, who's got the best food in this uh, in this area? In terms, oh man, of- you're going you're going to give me uh, some hate mail from certain athletic directors around the area. All right, uh, look. Here- I got. I got to share that in my story. This is not do not doesn't have anything to do with that. But when I covered high school uh, football in South Carolina years ago, um, in the Upstate, mm-hmm. what, pretty much you know I came from uh, you know Maryland and I, I wasn't used to this necessarily. Maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know. Uh, but every time I went to get a hot dog at a, at, at a concession stand, always a chili dog, never just a plain hot dog. Now is that is that a thing in South Carolina or is that here too? Yeah, I, I don't know about all that. Uh, now. I will say that North Oconee, I think they get catered uh, Texas Roadhouse. Uh, yeah, I think they cater. Uh, Oconee County is always nice to me. Clark Central has Chick-fil-A boxes, which are which are good. Wow. Academy used to have Barberitos uh, because Mr. Barber of Barberitos sent his kids there, but uh, they haven't had that the past couple of years. I don't know if it's COVID-related or Mr. Barber's uh, kids went off to college or what, but. Uh, Are you? You mentioned uh, good to get a little little bite before the game. I think you just mentioned uh, kind of one of the chain steakhouses. Uh, this uh, these these picks we're doing on these college picks. We, we got a steak uh, steakhouse burger is on the line. So we're talking about. I think we might have talked about this before. You ever been to Vegas and uh, get one of those forty dollars burgers uh, at one of the uh, steakhouses there? No, I've never been to Vegas. But uh, was that something you partook in you- when you weren't making? Wait, wait, wait. You, you've never been to Vegas. You never nope. been to Vegas? No, nope, never been to Vegas. Hey, I, the college football playoffs going to be playing there in the next five, ten years, so maybe you'll go there for yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. You know, I went to New Orleans a few times where we could venture down to one of their uh, casinos there, but uh, I, I didn't. I couldn't tell if they had good burgers there, but they had good food around New Orleans. I do know that. All right, let's make some picks. Uh, I went eight and seven last week. I'm now sixty six and sixty nine overall. Ryan, how'd you do? You know, six and nine. Does that add up? Yeah. All right. It's kind of I'm like the difference. Off all, all year. This is this is turning into the difference between like Georgia and Kentucky and the SEC East and the standings. Ooh. It's kind of where you are versus where I am. Oh man, I don't have time to think about it. Just pulling it out of the sleeves, you know. Right, here we go. LSU is at Arkansas. It's the Tigers by three, and that seems like an incredibly low number. Give me mean. LSU. Give me LSU to win big. Yeah, I, I think LSU has gotten a little something. Brian Kelly got them rolling. Three does sound low for a team that just lost to Liberty, so I'm with you, LSU. Our right, Missouri is at Tennessee. Mm. It's, the, it's the balls by 20 and a half. Eli Drinkwitz just got a uh, contract extension and a raise, <laughs> and that was the same day he lost a game at home, I think it was. Well, wasn't the rumor that he might slide down to Auburn? No. Oh, is that right? Isn't that why you got a little bit of a, of a raise out of that? I mean, really? That's who you're going to hire? I mean, I like the guy. I think he's a good personality. And, you know, I don't think Missouri's the easiest place to win football games necessarily. But, I mean. That wouldn't have moved the needle. And uh... Well, I mean, like, he's getting a contract extension. Like, I think he could also show up on some hot seat lists. So, it's kind of weird. I mean, I guess you're sending a message to recruits that this is our guy, right? I don't know. Um, Anyway, who you got? Balls by 20 and a half. 
Yeah, I think the balls come off that. I mean, you're you're looking at a Missouri team that lost to Kentucky, which got their uh, butts handed to them by the Vols in Knoxville. So, uh, give me Tennessee to cover that. Yep, Tennessee. I think will spit some fire after the Georgia loss. Uh, give me the Vols. Vanderbilt to Kentucky. It's the Wildcats by 18. Um, I am on the big blue machine here because I, I I don't see Vanderbilt coming within that number on the road. I'll take Kentucky at home. You know what? I, I think Vandy's a little bit improved. Give me them to keep it 17 or a little, little less than that. Vandy three and six overall. Okay, it's Notre Dame at Navy. It's the midshipmen getting 16 and a half. Ryan, what are you doing? Yeah, aren't they kind of down this year? I hadn't really kept up with the old Navy. But I, I think Notre Dame's found them a little something, too. They, they won at Syracuse, kicked Clemson's tail last week. I think they can go in the Navy and, and win. But what's the line again? 16 and a half. Yeah, give me Notre Dame to cover that. Nope, I'm taking Navy. I feel like a letdown is uh, coming for Notre Dame after beating Clemson. I think they're going to win, but maybe it's by two touchdowns, not by 16 and a half. I'll take Navy and the points. It's Indiana at Ohio State. It's the Buckeyes by 39 and a half points. Mm. Mm. What are you doing? Give me Indiana. That's just such a big number. I'll take Ohio State to bounce back from a uh, ugly game against Northwestern. Louisville is at Clemson. It's the mm. Tigers by seven. Uh, who's making this pick for us, me or you? I'll go ahead and make it. I mean, I think Clemson just is not impressive. Not impressing anybody this year. I think Louisville goes in there and, and, and makes a pretty good game out of it. So they'll keep it within seven. Yeah, I've been taking Louisville on the points as well. Alabama's at Ole Miss. It's the Rebels getting 12 and a half. Uh, Alabama just, you know, got housed there. Not housed, but they <laughs> they couldn't stop the, the uh, two-point conversion. And, uh, you know, Brian Kelly, he had nothing to lose and made the move there. And uh, I think Alabama's going to, this time, it's going to, they're going to win by more than 12 and a half. I think, uh, even though it's on the road, I think I mean the Crimson Tide are not losing back to back games, and I think they're going to come out and, and win by two touchdowns. Hmm, I'm not so sure they lose back to back games either, but I think that Ole Miss at home keeps it a little closer than eleven and a half. Is that where we're at? We get a hook in that twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. Yeah, yeah, I like that even better. Give me Ole Miss to keep it within ten. All right, Nebraska. Uh, let me actually. Miami's at Georgia Tech. It's the Jackets by one and a half. Miami's horrible. That's yeah. all I need to say. I'm taking the Jackets. Yeah, I think they went straight up. I mean, what has happened to Mario Cristobal down there? Oh, my goodness. All right, Nebraska's at Michigan. It's the Wolverines by 29 and a half points. Ryan, what are you doing? Yeah, give me the Mich- Michigan. Uh, you know, Nebraska's still reeling uh, with their coach being uh, fired and all that stuff. And I think Michigan's uh, – there's a reason they're number four team in the country. They're not the number four team. That's TCU. I think they're number three. Three team. There you go. I think the Wolverines crush uh, Nebraska here as well. 29 and a half at home in particular, Michigan, uh, as long as you don't get in a fight with them in the tunnel, I, th- I think you're in good shape. Oh, oh man. Ugh. Wisconsin's at Iowa. It's the Hawkeyes by one and a half. Iowa at home, they're scoring a little bit now, which is like if they hit in the 20s, that means they're scoring a little bit. I'm going to take Iowa given the one and a half. Well, the odd thing is over-under is five. So, uh, no, I'm Come just kidding. Yeah, I think Iowa wins. I th- I don't think Wisconsin's, uh, you know, they're reeling too with a, with a fired coach. So, uh, give me Iowa. Yeah, Iowa hasn't fired their coach, but maybe, you know. UCF is at Tulane. It's the Green Wave by two, and I will – I'll take 
uh, two land at home over the Gus Miles zones. Yeah, that's a ranked matchup, isn't it? Yeah, so. I guess UCF's ranked too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, give me two lane. I mean, uh, they're they're ranked nineteenth. I think is what we got. So, uh, I think at home, give them the upper hand. South Carolina's at Florida. It's the Gators by seven and a half. Um, and I'm not really feeling it with Shane Beamer on the road. And Gators coming off a, a win last week against was it last week. Yeah. Uh, I'll take Florida at home. Lay in the seven and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, South Carolina, you know, had a close one with Andy last week. So give me Florida at home to cover that. Washington at Oregon, the Ducks by 13. Dan Lanning had to basically say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to Auburn, which I don't really see that as a fit anyway. Um, the Ducks are favored by 13. Did I say that already? I don't remember. But I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna take Oregon at home. I've gone against them with these big point spreads, and I think this time – uh, they will cover. No, no, I think Washington's gonna gonna keep this one pretty close. Uh, we're gonna have a pretty good, pretty good matchup there. Now, you know, I'm just taking them against spread, so maybe it's a 10, seven point game. But give me Washington. All right, three more games. Texas A&M's at Auburn. It's the mm. Tigers by one and a half. The Aggies are a mess. Give me Cadillac Carnell Williams to uh, win his first game as interim head coach. Will Friend, the former Georgia offensive coordinator. Or not offense coordinator. He was an offensive line coach. He is running the offense uh, now for Auburn as they have this, uh, you know, staff that that uh, still remains, or, or some of them do. Uh, I'm taking Auburn laying the one and a half. Yeah, everybody liked Will Friend, didn't they? He was a, he was a good guy. I I think Auburn too. I mean, golly, I mean, I guess A and M stuck with Jimbo now because they can't. I mean, I guess they could afford the buyout, but they're gonna have to pay a lot. But I think Auburn pulls out the win. Yeah. All right, TCU's at Texas. Game day's there, and uh, the new cast member, what's the guy's name, the former punter? from Pat West McAfee. Yeah, did you see him uh, last week doing the uh, – the uh, with the, the what, Rocky Top? No, he was doing a Georgia fight. Uh, you know, who's that coming down the track? Oh, uh, yeah. Did you see it? I, I guess I missed that one. Oh, it's good. You Probably on YouTube. I, he was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's revved up, for, you know, for 9 in the morning usually. Uh, so Longhorns by 7. I'm going to take TCU and the points, even on the road. I know uh, it should be a really good game, actually. I, you know, maybe at what time is I don't even know what time that game is. Is that a noon kick? Maybe I'll watch that in my hotel if it is. Uh, I like TCU to stay unbeaten and, and do all, yeah, especially with the points. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think I might like Texas to win, but I think it's going to be a, a close game. So uh, give me TCU to cover the seven. All right, Georgia's at Mississippi State. It's the Bulldogs. Nope, can't do that. It's Georgia by 16 and a half on the road. I uh, mistakenly or dumbly, I don't know how you want to put it, took uh, – I did not say – I said Georgia would not cover or, you know, whatever the numbers that they laid last week. I got it wrong. Um, I will take the Bulldogs of Georgia – by the 16 and a half, I think uh, this does not strike me as a, you know, Mississippi State's offense has not been as good the last several weeks. Auburn also went to overtime with them uh, at in Starkville. So that, that doesn't, you know, with an interim coach, I, I just think Kirby's got this thing going. That there's no letdowns, really. I mean, I know the Missouri game was, you know, looked like that. And maybe a night game, you know, will get Georgia uh, awoken again in terms of, you know, being on the road and, 
you know, I know they wanted a home game at night sometime, but um, Mississippi State, Kirby's been talking all week about how they can run the ball. I think they had like 15 yards last week. So I don't know exactly what he's saying there. Uh, but I, I think, you know, Georgia can get to um, Will Rogers, as we saw last week. Uh, they can bring the pressure. Jalen Carter, uh, you know, they'll probably need to do it with a four-man rush because you're going to have guys out, you know, covering these four and five receivers. But I'll take Georgia, uh, lay in the 16 and a half. You know, I think one of the best things for Georgia was to face the Tennessee offense they faced last week. Because, you know, we, we viewed this coming up game as, as a trap game, kind of, with, with Mississippi State and their four verticals type of offense under the crazy pirate, you know, coach and all. So, uh, but the fact that they faced an offense that's kind of similar as far as the way that they pass the ball and, and throw it around a lot, I think Georgia is well prepared for that now. I think they cover this. 16 and a half uh, pretty easily and, and pick up a big win that uh, will lock up the SEC uh, East for them. All right. Thank uh, everyone for being with us and we'll be back next week. If you go into Starkville, be safe. Uh, enjoy the game. If you're going to be home watching it, uh, you know, maybe have an adult beverage or six uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe the Bulldogs uh, put up six touchdowns. Ryan, we'll talk uh, next week on the podcast and uh, thanks everyone. See ya.